What's happening, guys? Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading this week's radio show into podcast form. Please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. I cannot thank you enough. And by thanking you, I'll send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. All you got to do is rate, review, subscribe. Send me your review to Pete Mundo. That's M-U-N-D-O. Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Send me your name, your address, and I will get that koozie in the mail for you ASAP. I'll do it. Appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the show, and we'll talk soon. I got to tell you what. I had a great, absolute great time down in Austin, Texas last weekend. I appreciate a few of you stopping by, grabbing a koozie, saying hello Uh, It was awesome to be there, and what a game it was. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet, and we have so much to get to on today's show. Uh, I just had a great time. You know, Austin, to me, it's interesting. Austin is booming so much. It's not like a Norman, Oklahoma, a Stillwater, Oklahoma, a Manhattan, Kansas, where it's a college town, right? It's not. It is a metroplex. It's a rapidly growing metroplex, but you still have a lot of ties when you go down there to everything UT. That hasn't changed. That's not going to change, and it was very evident over the weekend. Uh, Tailgated down at LBJ Library, set up there through a buddy of mine. His company had a, a tent down there. Great scene. As somebody told me, the one good thing Steve Patterson did was set up the tailgate scene on the LBJ Library lawn. And then went in, I was, full disclosure, sitting with West Virginia fans, since that's who my host was for the weekend, and his uh, WVU buddies, and what a scene, what a game. I gotta be honest, I was screaming Will Greer and Dana Holgerson, don't go for two, don't go for two, don't do it, kick the extra point, take your chance in overtime, you got the momentum. Well, that's why I don't coach football. That's why I just talk about it. And... (laughs) It was a great finish. Somebody said to me, well, the uh, OU Texas game was better. I don't think so. I really don't. This game was close the whole way through. It was like no more than a one score game, it felt like, for all four quarters. It was that good. And you had the explosive scoring in the first half. Then you had the lull in the third quarter, only three points scored. And then they come roaring back in the fourth quarter, and West Virginia goes for two and gets the win and goes for two three times, right? Yeah, they set up, timeout West Virginia. Set up, then it looks like they scored on a slant route to David Sills. Timeout Tom Herman at the last second. Then you got the actual two-point conversion. And, of course, before that, you had this ridiculous touchdown pass from – uh, uh, of course, Will Greer to uh, Gary Jennings. It was a great game, an absolute fantastic game. And I got to be honest, going to throw my buddy under the bus here. Our host, West Virginia guy, alum. I don't know if he had too many pops, but he left the game early. He went back to the tailgate in the third quarter. What are you doing? I'm telling you, I'm going to give him hell about that till uh, till the end of time. Because that was just too good a game. It really was. Well, coming out of that game, West Virginia now tied, of course, without the Big 12 Conference with Oklahoma. But if I'm being fair here and I'm looking at the next three weeks, it's it's Oklahoma's gig here. It's OU to get to the college football playoff in the Big 12, and that's it. West Virginia can do it. 
if you went out, you beat TCU, you beat Oklahoma State and Stillwater, where they lost last time they were there in 2016. Remember that. At the time, I think West Virginia was undefeated. The two teams met in October in Stillwater early in the season. Oklahoma State gets the win, and West Virginia, uh, they didn't. They won 10 games that season, but it kind of derailed their hopes of a Big 12 championship or at least potential college football playoff appearance. And then they got OU on Black Friday. And then they're probably going to have to play OU again the following Saturday. So West Virginia's got to go 4-0 down the stretch. And while I like what I've seen, that new wrinkle with the tight end is something that hasn't been seen by Jake Spavadal's offense over the past year and a half. And I really like it. I think it's fantastic. And if they can just continue that momentum and still put some new wrinkles into their offense and whatnot, using the tight end, keeping Will Greer in motion, not letting them sit in the pocket against a defense or an offensive line that is sometimes suspect, I think that'd be huge for the Mountaineers. I just worry about that defense going up first off against OU potentially twice in eight days, and then even in Stillwater next week when these teams play, Oklahoma State and West Virginia. Oklahoma State has OU this weekend and West Virginia next week. The way this Oklahoma State season has gone, nobody can figure out what the hell's going on with Mike Gundy's team. And they got crushed by K-State. They beat Texas. And uh, then they go out and they lose last week to Baylor. I don't know. It's like Jekyll and Hyde. I can't figure them out for the life of me. I just can't. But something tells me Oklahoma State's going to win one of these next two games. They're an 18-point dog against OU this weekend. I don't think they win it. But I, just the way this season has gone, and I'm not going to predict them to win next week either, but the way this season has gone, don't be shocked if Oklahoma State pulls off a win one of these next two weeks because I don't know what is happening with Mike Gundy's guys. I really don't. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks so much for joining us and being a part of the show. Well, when you look at the last two weeks, you know if you don't closely follow the Big 12, you won't think anything of it. But if I'm Texas Tech, if I'm Kirby Hocutt, I'm bringing back Cliff Kingsbury, and I'm announcing it today. You know, unless there's a disaster against Texas this weekend, which I don't think there will be. I really don't. But unless there's a disaster this weekend against Texas, Cliff Kingsbury has done everything to be welcomed back with open arms. Look at these last two weeks. They lose to Iowa State 40-31. But if you're watching that game, and if you know how it went down, Texas Tech had a great chance to win. Tied at 31 with, what, four minutes left, and then Alan Bowman, a true freshman quarterback, takes a foolish safety. And then you have the uh, touchdown strike to Hakeem Butler on, I believe it was a third down, that sealed the win. But that was not a nine-point game. It was a tie game with four minutes left. Then a true freshman quarterback made a tough mistake on the road. It happens against, by the way, the best defense in the conference. This past weekend, they're up, what, 14 nothing over OU early on. Uh, what more could you ask for? Seriously, uh, could you ask for any more? I don't think you could. I don't. And you go for the two-point conversion late. That, unfortunately, goes the other way. OU scores two points. That's a field goal game at home against one of the best teams in America. And then you have Texas this week. But the last two weeks, you've had a chance to beat what I believe is right now the two best teams in the Big 12 in Oklahoma and Iowa State. Those are the two teams I would not want to play if I'm anybody else in the conference. 
OU and Iowa State, and Texas Tech had a chance in the fourth quarter to beat both of them. After that loss to Ole Miss by 20 points, who saw this coming? And by solidifying the return of Cliff Kingsbury, you solidify the 2019 recruiting class. Because with the early signing period in December, just tell these guys and make it clear to them, hey, we are not going to sit here and let you take our guys. We're not going to have it. We're not going to allow it. It's time for Kirby Hocutt to just do that. You know, it is. And I have been somebody who's been critical of Kingsbury, who said if he doesn't win this year, he's not somebody who's going to be back. And he's not somebody who deserves to be back because eventually Texas Tech has to get this ship righted. Well, I think it is. What they have done with a true freshman quarterback who, by the way, has spent a lot of time being injured. I don't know what his status now is for Saturday. Um, We're still waiting to find all that information out. But the defense is so vastly improved under David Gibbs. And you have three games left, Texas, and then two very winnable games against K-State and Baylor. They go 2-1 and one over that stretch. You're looking at a Texas Tech team that is 7-5 and five and potentially with a bowl win 8-5. and five. What more could you have asked for? And Cliff Kingsbury is somebody that all of Lubbock wants to see winning succeed, and he's proven it this year, so I think you bring him back. And I like the recruiting class, by the way. I know I've mentioned this, but top couple of recruits for Cliff Kingsbury are defensive ends. <laughs> now, another coach who's had himself a quietly good season is Matt Rule. This team won a game a year ago. In 2016, the program was decimated by transfers, guys leaving uh, because of the sexual assault scandal. The recruiting class was destroyed. And the fact that this team is 5-4, and four, they beat Oklahoma State last week. They're 3-3 three and three in Big 12 play. They have Iowa State, TCU, and then Texas Tech. They need one win for bowl eligibility, which would be huge for a team this young. Matt Rule is not getting enough props, and I hope he's getting them in Waco. I'm concerned because there's still a faction of this fan base that can't let it go. What happened with Art Bryles and thinking the guy got screwed and whatever it might be. It's, it's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous notion. But Matt Rule, what he has done to get this team to five wins, one win away from bowl eligibility, considering he's also had some issues at quarterback with injuries and whatnot, and he doesn't have a very good defense. And he's got a very young team loaded with freshmen, sophomores, and a couple of juniors and seniors. Matt Rule is great for this conference. I don't care what anybody says. And I know Baylor's not going to get that attention that they got during the Art Bryles run because it was a sexy, high-octane offense. OU and Oklahoma State at the time were a little down. So was Texas. It was Baylor, the high-flying offense with Art Bryles and all the quarterbacks coming through there, RG3 and otherwise. It may not have the sex appeal of what it had under Art Bryles, but I'll tell you what, from a program-building perspective, what Matt Rule, I believe, has done and will continue to do with this program, Baylor fans are going to look back in time and say, we could not have done better. We couldn't have. And I hope they continue to feel that way, get one more win these next three, get three huge weeks of practice, which are enormous for a young team in bowl season and what it means for the following season, and then move on to 2019 and start feeling good about things. That's That'd be the way to do it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. We're part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Coming up, uh, Bill Snyder has continued to make people scratch their heads. He has. And David Beatty gets fired. What's it all mean? 
who do I want to take the head coaching job at Kansas? I'll give you that answer coming up next. Well, David Beatty is out, and I've got the guy I want to replace him. Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Appreciate you joining us, and uh, let's let's take a look here at what's next for Kansas, right? So, over the weekend, I guess it was Sunday night it came down officially that David Beatty had been fired uh, by the Kansas Jayhawks. Not shocking at all. I know he got three wins, and I know that totaled the win total for the previous three years for the Kansas Jayhawks. But the team was still losing games by an average of 20-something points, right? Great. That's down from 30-something points. Not going to get it done. Not when you have a majority of seniors in your depth chart and in your starting rotation, and you are going to be back to square one next year in building this program back up. The recruiting class is a disaster. They have one commitment. They're 169th in the country. David Beatty's a damn good man. I respect the hell out of him for continuing with this team through the end of the season, and you fell for him. He talked in the Big 12 teleconference on Monday, and here's what he had to say about the whole thing. Well, absolutely. You know, you're, if, when you love something and you believe in it, and, and uh, it, the, the, uh, the, the progress that you've made, that you know has been made, that maybe not, not everybody can possibly see, but, but that you know the progress has been made. But we, we haven't won enough teams. And at the end of the day, it's a production business on wins and losses, and, and that's, that's a uh, – that's a measuring tool that, that, that you can't escape. You've got to be able to win games, and, and I get it. And, and we certainly get it as well. But So that was David Beatty talking about you know his firing on Monday in the Big 12 teleconference. He approached it like a man. He addressed it like a man, and I respect him for it. But at the same time, it was time. KU's got to take their shot somewhere else. Four seasons in, I knew it was a – rebuild as much as a rebuild can be, but got to try something else. You just have to. And here's who I want to be the next head coach at KU. It's Les Miles. I know you say, give me the young hotshot, Seth Luttrell, Neil Brown. Give me those guys. That's who I want. Give me Les Miles. Give me somebody. You know, this is not your traditional rebuild where you can just have somebody come in and, hey, I know how to recruit. I know where to go. Now, this is a rebuild of a lifetime. And I know Les Miles is 64. I understand that. He's not a pup. He's not somebody who is going to waltz in there and say, I'm here for the next 10 years. No, he's probably not. That being said, I also think he's a young 64. Les Miles always looked 5 to 10 years younger than he was. Always did. If you look at Les Miles, 64, he looks like he's 54. And he's now had two-plus years off. Now, maybe you're going to say, well, I don't know. I don't know. The game might have passed him by. He doesn't know any now of the big-time recruits. If you allow Les Miles to be the face and the genius behind this program and you have great coordinators and people that know recruiting come in and do that job, if you do that well, and Les Miles is your closer, where someone else is identifying who we're getting, how we're getting them here, and Les Miles, if needed, is the guy to go into that uh, parent's family room, sit there, 
look the young man in the eye, look his parents in the eye, and say, we're turning this thing around in Lawrence. Sign me up. (laughs) That's what I want to see. That's what I'd love to see. And Les Miles could be the guy who takes this thing over for four or five years-ish because he's not going to go anywhere, right? I mean, at 65, this is going to be it. So it's not like he's going to use this for a couple of years, three years, and then springboard it somewhere else. No one's going to hire the guy once he's 68, so he's yours. And if you take care of him, Lawrence is a great place to live. People love the community. It's a great town, and he can have a ton of success there. But if he can be the guy to get this thing back to just even credibility, where they're bowl eligible, and then when he's ready to hang it up for the final time around, you have that then that young hotshot who views the KU job as very appealing, as not what it was back in 2018. Then you can make that transition. I just don't think you're going to bring in a guy like a Neil Brown or a Seth Luttrell who are, yes, young hotshots. Everybody's got them on their board if you're going to be looking for a head coach after the season. I understand that. But this is a different animal. This is not taking over a team that's, you know, kind of won its three, four, five games a year and needs new blood. This is a team that's won three games this year, and those three games match their win total for the previous three seasons combined. Three and 33 the past three years before this season. It's bad. Their recruiting class is 169th in the country. One guy. One guy is committed to play at KU. Les Miles gives you that celebrity status, that bolt of energy that he still has at his age that the program needs to get itself on the map. But he also has to be able to hire the guys that he wants and that he needs. And that means money. And I got to believe KU's going to do it right this time. Trying to bring somebody in like David Beatty for eight hundred grand a year or whatever, a million dollars a year. Stop with that. Are you serious about football or not? That would be my question. I think that the Jayhawks are, based on the hiring of Jeff Long and giving Jeff Long autonomy to say, it's not working here anymore with uh, David Beatty. Gave him a shot, gave him a fair chance, not working, time to move on. Okay, where are we going? But you look at what Les Miles did, and I know Ed Orgeron has a LSU in a great place right now, but Les Miles was winning... 10 games every year, it felt like, on average, at LSU. Every guy won 114 games in, what, 11, 12 seasons? He averaged 10 wins a year in the SEC West. The thing that destroyed Les Miles was Nick Saban. LSU fans could not deal with the fact that Les Miles was not coaching and winning at Nick Saban's level. And guess what? Nobody has. (laughs) And I'm not sure anybody will. So I'd give him a shot. Personality would be great in the Big 12, by the way. I'd love it, uh, selfishly, as a media guy. It'd be awesome. So a lot of people, by the way, have gotten on us over the past uh, few days saying that like the website is Iowa State Homers. Let me tell you what. I have zero ties to Iowa State. I haven't even been to Ames yet. I've been covering the Big 12 for a long time. I've not been to Ames yet. I don't think I'm getting there this year. I'm sorry, guys. My wife is pregnant, due in five weeks. I'm not getting there. It is number one on my list next season. I promise you that. I promise you that. It's number one on my list. Derek Duke, Matthew Postens, Cam Brock, Dave Beal. Nobody there has a tie to Ames. But we're called Iowa State homers. Why? Because we think Iowa State's playing some of the best football in the Big 12 right now. And they are. This side of Oklahoma, they absolutely are. 
They're ranked. They're rolling. The Brock Purdy element is on fire. The defense is ridiculous. Uh, John Hecox should win the Burles Award for Assistant of the Year. That's how good this team has been, and that's how much they've turned things around from early in the year when it just wasn't working with Zeb Nolan replacing Kyle Kempt. And Brock Purdy has given this team such a bright future because the defense will continue to be good. But you get that kind of a stud quarterback, man, that changes a program. That changes everything. And Iowa State is not going anywhere in the Big 12 Conference. Well, coming up, let's preview the Week 11 games in the Big 12 Conference. We'll get to that and much more right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. It is already Week 11 in the Big 12 Conference in the college football season. I Smack me in the face. I don't know where this darn thing is going. I don't. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Uh, Appreciate you joining us here. So, week 11, uh, let's go through some of these games. First off, KU and K-State, two teams that are a mess. We are going to get a very good idea of how much this team for Kansas loves David Beatty because he's just coaching them throughout the rest of the season because, eh, That's it. I mean, he doesn't have a job anymore. How much do these guys love David Beatty? We are going to find that out on Saturday. On the flip side, you have Bill Snyder, who nobody knows what's going on there. I had a conversation earlier with Tim Fitzgerald. It's a mess. It looks like Snyder is going to be, I don't want to say pushed out. I'm hoping it's amicable. I'm hoping he decides to retire. I wish he'd do it now so the fans could appreciate him and love on him and cheer for him instead of having this awkward situation that the team and the fan base is currently in. But Kansas State is no doubt the more talented team. But I think KU is going to play really hard this weekend. I think the Jayhawks are going to give K-State and Manhattan all they can handle. And I believe K-State's going to walk out of there with a 21-20 win or 21-18 to or 17 win, something like that. It's going to be close. Wouldn't be shocked if KU wins, but I think that ultimately K-State gets the victory because I just can't pick a team to win a game when the head coach who is running the program doesn't have a job. I can't do it. So give me K-State by a field goal. It's going to be a low-scoring, ugly game. But the Wildcats will come out of it with a victory. West Virginia is back home against TCU. That's the other 11 a.m. game on Saturday. And I look at this one and I say, all right, the Mountaineers coming off a huge win on the road against Texas, which was preceded by a big win over Baylor, which was preceded by a loss to Iowa State. It's an awkward trap game for West Virginia. It's the calm before the storm where they go to Stillwater next week, a place they've struggled, and then Oklahoma the following Friday. TCU is in a situation where, you know, if they don't win this week, they're not likely becoming bowl eligible. It's it's got Baylor the following week, and then it's Oklahoma State. It's not impossible. It's not. You look at the team's record, and they're sitting at 4-5. and They've got to win 2-3. or three. But this is the kind of game where TCU could sneak up on a West Virginia. Problem is, TCU is just not that good this season. Michael Collins has disappointed me at quarterback, and there's a lot about TCU that is not TCU-esque. They are losing the ball at a uh, very unlike Gary Patterson pace, 
and it's something that we haven't seen from this team in a long time. TCU is dead last in the Big 12 in turnover margin. They've only gained five turnovers. They've given up 14. West Virginia, meantime, is third in the Big 12 in turnover margin and their home. So I see the Mountaineers coming out with an easy 35-20 to 20 win over the TCU Horn Frogs over the weekend. Then we go Baylor at Iowa State. Two teams playing well, although Iowa State's playing, I think, the best football in the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma. And you look at the Iowa State Cyclones and you say to yourself, Brock Purdy's on fire and Baylor's defense is having a tough time stopping anybody for that matter. It's It's been ugly. As good as this team has been, it has been ugly. The pass defense efficiency for the uh, Baylor Bears is ninth in the Big 12 ahead of only Kansas. Brock Purdy has been slinging it around and you find me who on that Baylor team can slow down Hakeem Butler. You can't find them. Meantime, Iowa State's got the best pass defense in the Big 12 Conference. They had the best rushing defense in the Big 12 Conference. Nobody's playing better than John Haycock's Iowa State Cyclones defense. The Cyclones are not going to get caught in a trap game. They can't have one. They can't afford to have one. They've got Texas next week in Austin. I know some guys might get caught looking ahead, whereas Baylor's sitting there saying, one more win, we are bowl eligible. But I'm not putting a whole lot of stock into that Oklahoma State game last week. It was a good win. Last second, Denzel Mims. I appreciate that. But Iowa State is playing too good right now. Uh, Cyclones are playing out of their minds, in fact. And they're going to pick up a win by a final of 38-21 to over the Baylor Bears. We then go to Bedlam, Oklahoma State against Oklahoma. And I said it earlier. Oklahoma State's the kind of team that they'll beat Texas, lose to Baylor, and then beat OU this week. It's just they are a Jekyll and Hyde type of team this year. That's what it's been. But not this week. OU is home. OU is on a mission. Kyler Murray has never played in this game before. He does not want to leave OU without beating, if not crushing, Oklahoma State. It's what every quarterback and every player at OU or Oklahoma State wants to do. And OU has had Mike Gundy's number since the guy's been in Stillwater. So I think Oklahoma is going to take care of business and in a big way. I mean, OU scores 50 points like it's nothing. It, they blink and they score 50 points. It's unbelievable. And Jim Knowles' defense has at times looked pretty suspect for this Oklahoma State Cowboys. So I, I see OU getting a pretty convincing win over the Pokes. Give me the Sooners 52 Oklahoma State, 35. There you have it in the Bedlam game. It's in Norman. It's on ABC at 2.30 Central Time on Saturday. And then, last but not least, the night game. It is in Lubbock again. Second straight week. A night game in Lubbock. You can't not like that, right? Everybody loves night games in Lubbock. A lot of fun. A lot of weird things happen. And it's the Texas Longhorns. But it's a Texas Longhorns team that has lost two games in a row. However, Texas Tech's got itself an issue there at quarterback. Jet Duffy's not a guy I want to start a game with against this uh, Texas Longhorns program. I don't want to do it. Texas's defense has not looked as good the last couple of games, but it's still a top three defense in the Big 12 Conference. And Texas knows its season is over if they don't stop the bleeding here. They've got to get a win to have any chance at a Big 12 championship game. It's still a long shot right now, but they got to win this one. So I think Texas is going to go on the road and take care of a potentially banged-up Tech team. Final, Texas 31, Texas Tech 28. 
There you have it, Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Appreciate you guys joining us. Check out the site, and we will talk to you next week. Same time, same place. Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week, guys. Really appreciate it. Please do rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and I'll send you that free koozie. Email me, Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I will get that koozie in the mail for you. Send me your address, name, and a picture of the uh, review, and I'll get it in the mail, I promise. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks so much.